Welcome to the podcast series on sexual health for seniors with Dr. Sue and Fran Carl. This podcast series is based on conversations with seniors about sexual health, sexual desire and related matters that were generated through research conducted with Queensland University of Technology. In this session, we'll be continuing our discussion of Hillary and her experience of sexual desire in older age. Please access Hillary's story part one if you missed the first session of Hillary's story. Let's reintroduce Hillary, the focus of this week's podcast in the Sexual Health for Senior series. This is part two of Hillary's story. To recap from part one, Hillary was a 73-year-old lady who had married at the age of 19, had her first child by the time she was 20, and had been left to raise her children after her husband had left her for another woman. In all, over the years, there had been three significant sexual relationships in Hillary's life. The first two relationships were short-lived, only lasting a few years. Hillary's most recent relationship endured for 10 years before ending acrimoniously in the previous year. Hillary's male friend had created a disturbance outside of Hillary's unit, which resulted in Hillary securing a restraining order for verbal abuse and harassment. In recent months, there had been a tentative re-establishment of the relationship that was initiated by her friend. It makes you wonder, Fran, if some people go back into those poor relationships or for want of being judgmental, mm. just for the sake of the relationship. In our first session about Hillary, yes. we saw that she was independent and she denied her own wants and desires yes. for her children. But now she's prepared to go back into a relationship that sounds like it hasn't been so good. And recalling some of the things that Hillary was saying in the first where her mum had given her a fair amount of education and supportive family, etc. It's interesting to think about what led Hillary then to um, mm. considering returning to a, as we said, poor relationship. It's interesting to think why, at what point did she feel that previously it was single parenthood was better than being in an unhappy yes. marriage mm. and now it, the responsibilities of parenthood were removed probably from her immediate yes. needs. Is there only, I suppose that's a bit rude to say, but it, are there only poor relationships and you can either be in them or out <laughs> them? I don't know. Yes. It, it's very interesting to, to investigate, I guess, and, and just think where Hillary's mind was. Mm, yeah, at yeah. At that time. Mm. Meanwhile, let's get back to part two of Hillary's story. Time had passed after her disastrous first marriage and we left Hillary in part one busy devoting her life to caring for her children. Eventually, Hillary formed a friendship that developed into a sexual relationship. However, the relationship was not without problems for all sorts of reasons. Hillary described the circumstances surrounding the relationship. A few years later, I met someone and he asked me out. I did care about him. His wife had left him and taken the kids and it took him years and years to find them. He was really going through a hard time and he had a problem. He had a dysfunctional problem and because I'm an understanding person, I had some knowledge about it. We stayed friends. In fact, he was one of the people who asked me to marry him. He wanted to marry me. I said that I would think about it, but I wasn't too keen about it. I thought he was a bit sort of mixed up and emotional, this, that and the other. Hillary was hesitant about commitment. She was also fiercely protective of her own children and of the peaceful life that had evolved. I didn't want anybody living with my children in the house with me. I had other offers and I never wanted that and I don't regret it. I made the right decisions because I didn't want the children subject to anything. And then I did start going out with another man. The relationship lasted for a few years and then I pissed him off. I told him where to go. There was no way I wanted to get married and there was no way I wanted to live with him or to live with anybody. Seeking a better life, Hillary commenced studying and after many years gained a tertiary qualification. I went to university. I went part-time and then I went full-time 
And then sometimes when I started to do shift work, I found it difficult and I tried to do it another way. But after 15 years, I graduated age 60. Two years later, Hillary was forced to retire due to ill health. Well, I was still working and I retired for the good of my own health because I got a mild case of a virus and the doctor said she thought I got it out of the air conditioner and I nearly died. By the time she retired, Hillary had reached a stage where she understood her strengths and weaknesses. She recognised when extra support was needed and she sought counselling. She had considered the future and made arrangements in consideration of her family. I've got an advanced health directive which my children have a copy of and the doctor has got a copy of and every five years I update it. That is what you do if you care about people, isn't it? That's what you do while you are compass mentis, you know, of sound mind. You make the decision about what you want when you are compass mentis and that's everybody's right to do that. Everybody should do this so that those that are nearest and dearest to you know what to do and you discuss it with them too. When she was in her late 50s, Hilary established a new relationship. I met him through a social club, actually. It was a reciprocal arrangement. Hilary would visit and cook favourite meals, and in turn, he would help Hilary in practical ways. Despite the decade-long duration of the relationship, they did not live together because living together didn't suit Hilary. They saw each other every week or so, either at Hilary's place or his, and enjoyed a sexually satisfying relationship, although Hilary lamented the lack of a strong emotional bond. Hilary was very motivated to keep fit. I go to the gym. Since I've been going to the gym, I feel a lot better than I have been for a long time, in mind, body and spirit, and I'm involved with a few other groups. I often meet up with young ones. At the gym the other day, the trainer there said there are ones here half your age that don't work half as hard. Hilary had good reason for wanting to maintain her fitness. My health is okay. I work out at the gym three mornings a week because I'm preventing or trying to prevent poor health. I'm 74 this year and healthy, so really what I'm doing is right. I'm living and being active while I live, prolonging my life as long as I can. Hillary was strongly averse to attending a mixed gender fitness centre. To me, it's important that the gym is women only because I would never feel comfortable being in a gym with men perving on me. I don't care what anybody says. I don't find it complimentary to be perved on. Look at all this stuff on television about the size of blinking breasts. I don't find it a compliment because it's saying to you that all you are is a pair of tits and a pussy, that there is nothing between one's ears. That's really bad for women. Hillary was comfortable with her body, but not comfortable when her body was the object of attention. Although she was in good physical health, Hillary was fully aware of the fragility of the body. She was proud of her past ability to overcome her mental health problems. This year, I have had some low-level depression because I've got a minor bipolar, and that's the only medication I take. Since I had the breakdown, I've held down a job, a very sensible job, and I went and got a university degree. I've got my children. I've helped my grandkids and I'm doing well. I'm doing very well because it's positive. But I do have negative times. Because I make sure I get adequate sleep and adequate rest, a balance, which is very difficult in public housing because there's not much personal space or personal privacy. External influences sometimes placed additional stress on Hillary, but she was proactive in taking care of her health. When I needed counselling, I fussicked around and I got counselling at several places an hour at a time. And it's free because the State Department community funds the time. I'm of the opinion that everybody needs some good counselling at some time in their lives. It's positive feedback and it's a pity that some more people wouldn't do that. That's what I think. 
Access to counselling services was very important to Hillary because of her past health problems and her remarkable efforts to overcome them. Her relationship had recently caused additional stress for Hillary. Her male friend had created a disturbance outside of Hillary's unit. Hillary pleaded with him to stop. She was embarrassed by his behaviour in front of her neighbours. Anyhow, he went and I opened the door and walked down the path and I thought, what on earth was he doing driving the car like that? I knew he was sober and I rang him on his mobile three times and three times he hung up. Hillary felt compelled to attain a court-ordered restraining order against him. The relationship was over. I actually had to go to magistrate's court and get a restraining order on him and I got the maximum on him. I had to finish it. Hillary did not disclose what might have instigated the behaviour and acknowledged that the incident was not an isolated one. Hillary reflected on how she felt about her friend's behaviour. To be quite objective about it, that's how men are. They don't get it about women's needs. He didn't get it that I needed to be on my own a lot of the time. To support herself through the crisis, Hillary sought counselling. Counsellor helped Hillary to make decisions in her life about not accepting this kind of behaviour towards her. I have a responsibility to me and my health to not allow that to happen either because it does happen. And my experience has been that women are expected at times, unfortunately, but there we are with the things we do, being unpaid social workers, unpaid clinical psychologists, unpaid everything within our family and all families are dysfunctional. There are no functional ones under the system. It was a sad indictment on society that Hillary's experiences had led her to determine that all families were dysfunctional. Hillary knew her strengths and was coping with the burdens placed upon her. Fran, what do you think about that? Yes. My eyebrows were raising. You could see me. Wow. Well, uh, it's a shame, isn't it? I it mean, is. it's sad that her perspective was that there were no functional families. Everybody's in a troubled boat. Yes. yes. Very sad. Yeah. And that we are being unpaid social workers, unpaid clinical psychologists, unpaid everything within our families. And we were just discussing earlier on how she had made these great strides and was developing and then suddenly, hang on, this is too much. Yeah. I'm being expected to do that. It is a pity that she could see that in her own family but then rejected yeah. that onto all families. Then you think, okay, did she have any social networks? Did she have any way of how was she engaging other than with this male friend? Yeah. Who else was she engaging? Was the people that she was engaging with was that their experience as well? We don't know, do we? No, but she had gone to university, so, yeah, so that, uh, there must have been some social networking there. And exposure to other yeah. ways of thinking and other circumstances in families. Yeah. And I think because her parents were so supportive of her in her early years of marriage and throughout her life by mm. the sound of it, mm. that would have been some role modelling. There would have been some role modelling there, you would have thought too, mm. about the supports given to you by the family. Sure. But it ended up where she felt that she was doing all the giving, I think, and mm. not getting much back Get in return. Back. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, so, mm. I mean, by this time she was 74, so many years had gone by. Mm. Uh, and obviously those years of struggling and the mental health issues mm. had changed her perspective on the world. Yeah, and the level of resilience. Yes. Perhaps. Yeah. And then yeah. she was in the middle of this relationship where the man was demanding more than she felt she could give. Give, yeah. Uh, she was losing her me time again. Mm. I think that to me it sounds like, yeah, she was losing that time for herself and then everything. It was all collapsing down around her. Sure. Yeah. Oh, mm. but it's, yeah, sad indictment, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but back to Hillary, and these yes. are, this is Hillary's words. Yes. 
I have got a dominable spirit. I've got strength of character inside me, you know. And the other thing I've learned is that intelligent people learn even as they grow older. Intelligent people learn. Only the dumb, stupid, gullible ones don't learn. Hillary had realised that learning was a lifelong experience. In fact, despite previously stating that there had not been much of an emotional connection between them, the power of the bond was too much for Hillary. Hillary's learning processes in relation to men were yet to continue. He contacted me a month after I got the restraining order. He rang me and said, can we talk? I said, yes, we can talk, I said, but you were breaching your restraining order. And he said, so are you. And I said, yes, but do you miss me? And he said, yes, I do. I said, but have you learnt anything? And he said, yes, I have. So I said, oh, well, we can talk on the phone. And I said, that's what I can cope with. We can talk. We can communicate. Because it really has nothing to do with the authorities. It's to do with the two people. I thought about it and I thought life's too short. But on the phone, I laid down some conditions. I said, I'll come over there tonight if you behave yourself. Hillary had decided to defy the restraining order for the sake of the relationship. The companionship and sexual fulfilment involved in the relationship between the couple were more powerful forces than the bad behaviour. Hillary hadn't ruled out future relationships if her current relationship did not satisfy her needs in the longer term. Yeah, a door might open. Someone said to me last week, and I took it as a compliment, oh, you only look as if you were in your late 50s, and I know that. I know me and I know I've got a lot to offer in any friendship and in any relationship. In summary, Hillary's experience of sexual desire seemed to involve three life stages. The first stage involved her teenage years when youthful hormones led her into an unhappy and disastrous marriage. The middle stage of her adult life was marked by suppression of sexual desire in order to concentrate on her children's needs and in the creation of a better life for herself and her children. In older age, Hillary's sexual desire was fulfilled in a complicated and perhaps potentially disastrous relationship that was, by Hillary's own admission, less than emotionally satisfying. Mm. What are your thoughts on Hillary's narrative so far? Wow. (laughs) Wow. In terms of laying down a restraining order and then in a phone call, whatever generated the 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 need for a restraining order and on the basis of a phone call then saying, well, okay, if you behave yourself, it's okay. Wow, I was just going, Mm. Hillary, Hillary, what's happening? How come? (laughs) I don't know Hillary. I've never met Hillary and I was on her side already saying, why is this happening? And obviously at three stages that you've spoken about, Dr. Sue, in the later stage, it seems to me that where she's still saying, I know I've got a lot to offer, but I'll settle for that one. Yes. I'll settle yeah. for that less than perfect relationship. Yeah. And it seems it's even worse than that, that it might be toxic and it might be destructive. But That's right, mm-hmm. yeah. And to me, I, I sort of worried that she was forsaking safety and security for that. It was really the sexual relationship, relationship. rather than the intimate relationship or mm. the emotional connection. Yes. I think it was pure sex, really. Mm. Wow. Yeah. So it's what we're prepared to give up and concede. Yeah. Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm speechless for once. <laughs> you weren't expecting that, were you? <laughs> no, I think it's sad, but hopefully the relationship would have worked out, although I don't think it bode well. For a long term. For a good relationship, a good term, Mm. in the the long term. Yeah, exactly. Hillary's narrative was remarkable and yet by her own acknowledgement was nothing unusual. She was right. Women did get pregnant and get married. Some husbands did abandon their wife, just as some wives abandoned their husband. Many, many women would always consider their children's needs above their own. 
Of course, not everyone has the additional burden of simultaneously coping with major life stresses as well as coping with mental illness. Hilary's breakdown and life experiences seem to have provided the impetus for her to seek a better life and to remain fiercely protective of herself and her children. Hilary had been fortunate in having family support throughout the difficult times, from her own family and from her husband's family. Nevertheless, she had struggled to create a better life for herself and her children by finding work, securing finances for the family home, and eventually completing a university degree. In gaining an education, Hillary had developed certain views and opinions about life. Yeah, she was an interesting person to meet. I met Hillary, of course, to interview her. And she did live in social housing and she was living alone, but the relationship was still out there. Mm, the, mm. the gentleman was still in her life, but in they her. did leave separately. Mm. But again, in that social housing situation, she talked earlier about that lack of privacy and that was very evident. People were coming and going yeah. in that situation mm, for her. Mm. And for me, as the researcher, I had to be very aware of not being judgmental. Yes. And you have to let a person live their own life, of course. And Without even if you, you feel that it's not going to have a good outcome, mm, that's mm. their life and not my life. Sure, yeah, sure. So. But I suppose... I'd probably take it one step further. It's not judging, it's compassion for mm. and trying to understand why. And, yeah. you know, obviously yeah. there's nothing you can do about it mm. and the person certainly is allowed to live their own life but compassion for and trying to understand is probably where I would be thinking yes. you come from rather than, oh, that's not judgmental yeah. to me means you've decided that something's right or wrong. Whereas in terms of compassion, it's, Mm. oh dear, that's happening. Obviously, the sexual relationship met some of her needs. Yes, of course. And that was important to her, I think. Mm. Mm. And um, yeah, rather than, you know, perhaps coming back to loneliness again. Yes. We haven't talked about loneliness this time, but in this story, but I think that as an older person, she Mm -hmm. was 74, she'd had some health issues. Yes. Mental health issues. Mm. And perhaps loneliness was at the heart of that as well. Yeah, as you just said, we haven't mentioned it this time, but in every episode of the podcast series, Mm. loneliness is maybe a little bit of a subtitle in terms of the the significance Mm. or insignificance of Mm. those levels of of relationship we're talking about. Yeah. That loneliness, certainly, as you age, that that has to be seen as as a factor, but it's not talked about much, is it? No. And, of course, these interviews were pre-COVID. As well. So a lot of the issues around loneliness, I think we're going to become more aware of those in the very near future. And we are already in the, yes. you know, the media is already looking at those sorts of For things. Sure. For sure. As an older woman, Hillary had formed a complicated relationship with a man which led to a restraining order being taken out against him. Hillary and her friend then re-established their relationship. Hillary described their sexual relationship as fulfilling and was prepared to continue in a volatile relationship. While the conditions were imposed by Hillary, there was every likelihood that Hillary would yield and allow the conditional boundaries to change. Her choice of companion and sexual partner provided sexual satisfaction but not emotional satisfaction. Hillary's acknowledgement of potential for future relationships indicated that there could be further stages in Hillary's sexual desire narrative. You've been listening to Dr. Sue and Fran Carl. And we've been talking about sexual desire in older age. The focus this week was on an interview with Hillary. This was part two. Part one is available on the podcast series. And Hillary's experience of sexual desire as an older woman. We will continue with our series on sexual health for seniors in our next podcast.